Welcome to another edition of The Greater Work, the audio outreach of Christ Worker Ministries. Listen in as experienced employee and minister, Sean Gibson brings biblical insights to help you worship God, both in and with your labor. Now, let's get to work. Growing up as a child of the 80s, I was surrounded by movies with both the good guy and the bad guy. Superman had Lex Luthor, the Goonies faced the Fratellis, and of course, the Simpsons, they faced Mr. Burns. While all unique in their appearance, they had one thing in common that stood out and shined brighter than the sun. It was their greed. This greed kept these bad guys and gals up working diligently of all hours of the day and night to accomplish their evil goals. When we talk about greed, images of Wall Street, Gambling hotspots and backroom deals may come to mind. However, the type of greed that we're going to discuss today is far less obvious, yet it's very common among many, including those in the church. Greed is what visits us when we go out shopping and we buy more than what we budgeted for. Greed is demonstrated in the garages across America that have so much stuff in there that a single car cannot be parked in it. Greed shows up even behind the pulpit posing as Christians with financial building seminars and books and even guilt-laden offering opportunities. While they may seem godly deep down, their greedy heart is in it not for God's glory but for their own. On one occasion, when Jesus spoke to his disciples on the matter of greed, he laid out a powerful principle. Luke 12 and 15, Jesus said to them, Watch out, guard yourself against every form of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus said that we must guard ourselves like a security guard would guard a bank vault. We are to guard our hearts against greed. Again, without assuming that we know exactly what greed is, let's allow the Bible to explain what greed is for itself. In the original Greek language, greed was the word plonexia. This word has a meaning of a numerically more value. One source that I read described greed as lusting for a great number of temporal things that go beyond what God determines is eternally best. My friend, I bring up the matter of greed because it may be why you're not resting and not observing a day of rest for yourself. Unfortunately, I fell prey to greed for many years, and in full disclosure, I must be diligent in guarding my heart against it even to this day. The temptation to skip a day of rest and work a little more so that I can bring in a little more money and buy more things is a very real trap that's easy for me to fall into. But let's be clear about this. There is no good reason to allow greed to be in your heart because it's sin. In Colossians 3.5, we read the words of the Apostle Paul when he says, Put to death, therefore, the components of your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and get this, and greed, which is idolatry. To summarize what we just read, it says kill greed because greed is actually a form of idolatry. As Christians, I don't think we have a problem with placing statues of other gods in our homes. Why? Because we love God and it's pretty obvious that that would not be something good to do. However, when we allow greed to develop in our hearts, frankly, there's no difference. It too is an idol. Today, greed means more than just having an excess of material items. Oddly enough, it can also involve being greedy for more social media connections, more clicks and subscribers on your social media platform. In social media, those with the most followers are called the influencers. In order to become this social media influencer, you have to spend endless hours each day making videos, podcasts, and writing blogs about the things that probably have very little to no eternal significance. 
The more followers you have, the more money you can make. No rest, just media production all the time. Regardless of what you're greedy for, if greed for more has kept you from God and his plan of rest, my friend, confess it like you would any other sin. Get honest and own it. You can't change what you can't admit, and greed needs to be dealt with aggressively. In moving on from greed, we must be decisive on how and what we will replace this area of our life with. Thankfully, the Bible gives us clear directives on how we can rid our lives of greed and enjoy God's rest. Step one in guarding against greed, seek God and his word. Psalm 119 verse 36 says, turn my heart to your testimonies and not to covet gain. In this Psalm, we see the word of God will be your primary way of warring against greed. Diligently look for scriptures and even listen to sermons about the dangers of greed. This leads me to my next step. Step number two, dedicate yourself to a life of learning contentment and forsaking greed. Philippians 4 verses 11 through 13, the apostle Paul wrote, I have learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. I know how to live humbly and I know how to abound. I am accustomed to any and every situation, to being filled and to being hungry and to having plenty as well as having need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Paul the Apostle was not ignorant in the finer things of life. He did know what it meant to abound. He had the best teachers in the land as a child, and he worked his way up the corporate ladder in organized Judaism. If he can learn to be content, so can we. We can do this because Christ will strengthen us, just like he did the Apostle Paul. The next step is also very significant. With learning to be content, we have an opportunity to discover the fuel behind our contentedness. Step number three, redirecting our love of money to a pure love for God and his presence. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. In God's loving presence is fullness of joy, not in the presence of material things. Wealth can come and go, but God will always be there ready to lovingly help even when the money's gone. The next step, step four, live out the power of being content. First Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, Godliness with contentment is great game, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can't carry anything out of it. But if we have food and clothing, let us be content with these things. My friend, streamline what you think you need and live in the freedom of having your basic needs met. If you have food and clothing, you can be content even with this. However, just know that God loves to bless his children abundantly, and he loves to do more than we ask or even think. This brings us to our last step. Step five, rest in God's provision. Proverbs 23, four says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Be wise enough to restrain yourself. While being content is not a popular belief in the world or even in some churches, it is one of those things that we need to adhere to with great intensity. Instead of wearing ourselves out in greedy pursuits that render us useless to God and his people because we have no energy, we can now rest in his goodness and allow God to work through us like never before. My friend, let's get real here. This is one of those battles that you will face until you breathe your last. But with God's help and your diligence to stay in the word and guard against greed, you, just like the Apostle Paul, can rest and be content with God and what he supplies for you and your life. 
Thanks for listening to The Greater Work, a Christ Worker Ministries podcast. The Greater Work is supported by hardworking listeners just like you. To learn more about Christ Worker Ministries and how you can become part of our growing outreach, visit ChristWorker.org.